Hello and welcome to another episode of Where Butterflies Come From. In this show, we read fairy tales from all over the world and react to them in real time. Hope you like listening as much as we like making it. Enjoy! Ladies and gentlemen, we are back to our favorite Anderson. Are we excited? Yeah, no, thanks. Wow, that was such a great introduction. <laughs> I know. And uh, eloquent. The name is the name for the story is called The Shadow. And it's gonna read by our beloved host. Woo! Yahoo. I quit. <laughs> okay. Come back. Uh The Shadow. This is The Shadow by Hans Christian Andersen. Jenny, that's not a don't dig that. In very hot climates where the heat of the sun has great power, people are usually as brown as mahogany. A learned man once traveled into one of these warm climates from the cold regions of the north and thought he would roam about as he did at home. But he soon had to change his opinion. He found that, like all sensible people, he must remain in the house during the whole day, with every window and door closed, so that it looked as if all in the house were asleep or absent. The houses of the narrow street in which he lived were so lofty that the sun shone upon them from morning till evening, and it became quite unbearable. This learned man from the cold regions was young as well as clever, but it seemed to him as if he were sitting in an oven, and he became quite exhausted and weak, and grew so thin that his shadow shriveled up, and became much smaller than it had been at home. Yeah, because that's how that works. The sun took away even what was left of it, and he saw nothing of it till the evening, after sunset. It was really a pleasure, as soon as the lights were brought into the room, to see the shadow stretch itself against the wall, even to the ceiling, so tall was it. Have you played like uh, the game in childhood, like stepping on the shadow? What do you try to do in that game? Just people running around, and once your shadow is stepped, you are like it got caught. Oh, I think I played that one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was really a pleasure as soon as the lights were brought into the room to see the shadow stretch itself against the wall, even to the ceiling. So tall was it, and it really wanted a good stretch to recover its strength. The learned man would sometimes go out into the balcony to stretch himself also, and as soon as the stars came forth in the clear, beautiful sky, he felt revived. People at this hour began to make their appearance in all the balconies in the street, for in warm climates every window has a balcony, in which they can breathe the fresh evening air, which is very necessary, even to those who are used to a heat that makes them as brown as mahogany. So the streets presented a very lively appearance. Here were shoemakers and tailors and all sorts of people sitting. In the street beneath, they brought out tables and chairs, lighted candles by hundreds, talked and sang, and were very merry. There were people walking, carriages driving, and mules trotting along, with their bells on the harness, tingle tingle as they went. <laughs> Then the dead were carried to the grave with the sound of solemn music, 
and the tolling of the church bells. It was, as indeed, a scene of varied life in the street. One house only, which was just opposite to the one in which the foreign learned man lived, from the contrast to all this, for it was quite still. And yet somebody dwelt there, for flowers stood in the balcony, blooming beautifully in the hot sun. And this could not have been unless they had been watered carefully. Therefore someone must be in the house to do this. The doors leading to the balcony were half opened in the evening. And although in the front room all was dark, music could be heard from the interior of the house. The foreign learned man considered this music very delightful, but perhaps he fancied it, for everything in these warm countries pleased him, excepting the heat of the sun. The foreign landlord said he did not know who had taken the opposite house. Nobody was to be seen there. And as to the music, he thought it seemed very tedious, to him most uncommonly so. It is just as if someone was practicing a piece that he could not manage. It is always the same piece. He thinks, I suppose, that he will be able to manage it at last, but I do not think so, however long he may play it. Oh, wow, that sounds like a personal attack. <laughs> to you? Uh-huh. Okay. And he was right. I never, I never managed it in the way that I wanted. No, don't think in that way. Once the foreigner woke in the night. He slept with the door open, which led to the balcony. The wind had raised the curtain before it, and there appeared a wonderful brightness over all in the balcony of the opposite house. The flowers seemed like flames of the most gorgeous colors, and among the flowers stood a beautiful, slender maiden. It was to him as if light streamed from her and dazzled his eyes, but then he had only just opened them as he awoke from his sleep. Oh, are you, uh, are you illuminating light, or is that just because I just woke up? Because I'm beautiful. Oh, but I did also just wake up. And I'm beautiful. Okay. <laughs> With one spring, he was out of bed and crept softly behind the curtain. But she was gone. The brightness had disappeared. The flowers no longer appeared like flames, although still as beautiful as ever. The door stood ajar and from an inner room sounded music so sweet and so lovely that it produced the most enchanting thoughts and acted on the senses with magic power. Who could live there? Where was the real entrance? For, both in the street and in the lane at the side, the whole ground floor was a continuation of shops, and people could not always be passing through them. One evening, the foreigner sat in the balcony. A light was burning in his own room, just behind him. It was quite natural, therefore, that his shadow should fall on the wall of the opposite house, so that, as he sat amongst the flowers on his balcony, when he moved, his shadow moved also. I think my shadow is the only living thing to be seen opposite, said the learned man. See how pleasantly it sits among the flowers. The door is only ajar. The shadow ought to be clever enough to step in and look about him, and then to come back and tell me what he has seen. You could make yourself useful in this way, he said, jokingly. <laughs> so you, funny. Are you sure he's joking? You're so funny. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, you can make yourself useful. <laughs> he said, talking to his shadow. I feel this is the loneliest guy. Yeah, is this my autobiography? <laughs> my God, right, Jenny? 
<laughs> She's like, yeah. <clears throat> Be so good as to step in now, will you? And then he nodded to the shadow. And the shadow nodded in return. Oh, wow. Nice. <laughs> now go, but don't stay away altogether. Then the foreigner stood up, and the shadow on the opposite balcony stood up also. The foreigner turned around. The shadow turned. And if anyone had observed, they might have seen it go straight into the half-open door of the opposite balcony. I really cannot see how this story is going to be interesting. <laughs> Please surprise me. What more do you want? It's got a man. It's got a shadow. It's not going out My so God, far. like... Okay, I'm I'm sorry. Not everything is like you know all entertaining and like spectacle. This one is more subtle. Okay, it's about a man in his shadow. <clears throat> okay, do something, please. Uh huh. They might have seen it go straight into the half-open door of the opposite balcony, as the learned man re-entered his own room and let the curtain fall. The next morning, he went out to take his coffee and read the newspapers. How is this? He exclaimed as he stood in the sunshine. I have lost my shadow, so it really did go away yesterday evening, and it has not returned. This is very annoying, and it certainly did vex him. Yeah, I know he said as much. Not so much because the shadow was gone, but because he knew there was a story of a man without a shadow. Imagine, <laughs> imagine the humiliation. All the people at home in his country knew this story. And when he returned and related his own adventures, they would say it was only an imitation, and he had no desire for such things to be said of him. So he decided not to speak of it at all, which was a very sensible determination. In the evening, he went out again on his balcony, taking care to place the light behind him, for he knew that a shadow always wants his master for a screen. But he could not he Man, this guy is learned. He knows all the things. <laughs> of course. That's the only thing he do. Uh-huh. He, that, this guy is like me and overcooked. <laughs> this guy to shadows is me to overcooked. <laughs> but he could not entice him out. He made himself little and he made himself tall. But there was no shadow and no shadow came. He said, ahem, ahem, but it was all useless. That was very vexatious. But in warm countries, everything grows very quickly. And after a week had passed, he saw, to his great joy, that a new shadow was growing from his feet when he walked in the sunshine, so that the root must have remained. After three weeks, he had quite a respectable shadow, which, during his return journey to northern lands, continued to grow, and became at last so large that he might very well have spared half of it. When this learned man arrived at home, he wrote books about the true, the good, and the beautiful, which are to be found in this world. And so days and years passed, many, many years. One evening, as he sat in his study, a very gentle tap was heard at the door. Come in, said he, but no one came. He opened the door, and there stood before him a man so remarkably thin that he felt seriously troubled at his appearance. It was me. <laughs> he was, however, very well dressed. 
and look like a gentleman. To whom have I the honor of speaking? Said he. Ugh. Ah, I hope you would recognize me, said the elegant stranger. I have gained so much that I have a body of flesh and clothes to wear. You never expect to see me in such a condition. Do you not recognize your old shadow? Ah, you never expected that I should return to you again. All has been prosperous with me since I was with you last. I have become rich in every way, and, were I inclined to purchase my freedom from service, I could easily do so. And as he spoke, he rattled between his fingers a number of costly trinkets which hung to a thick gold watch chain he wore round his neck. Diamond rings sparkled on his fingers, and it was all real. I cannot recover from my astonishment, said the learned man. What does this all mean? Something rather unusual, said the shadow, but you are yourself an uncommon man, and you know very well that I have followed in your footsteps ever since your childhood. As soon as you found that I have traveled enough to be trusted alone, I went my own way, and I am now in the most brilliant circumstances. But I felt a kind of longing to see you once more before you die, and I wanted to see this place again, for there is always a clinging to the land of one's birth. I know that you have now another shadow. Do I owe you anything? If so, have the goodness to say what it is. No, it really is you, said the learned man. Well, this is most remarkable. I never supposed it possible that a man's old shadow could become a human being. Just tell me what I owe you, said the shadow, for I do not like to be in debt to any man. How can you talk in that manner, said the learned man? What question of debt can there be between us? You are as free as anyone. I rejoice exceedingly to hear of your good fortune. Sit down, old friend, and tell me a little of how it happened, and what you saw in the house opposite to me while we were in those hot climates. Yes, I will tell you about it, said the shadow, sitting down. But then you must promise me never to tell in this city, wherever you may meet me, that I have been your shadow. I am thinking of being married, for I have more than sufficient to support a family. Make yourself quite easy, said the learned man. I will tell no one who you really are. Here is my hand. <laughs> I promise, and a word is sufficient between man and man. Between man and shadow, said the shadow. I thought you were a man now. And you're gonna get married with another shadow. Hey, man, focus. <laughs> no, the shadow is a man now. And then the learning man was like between man and man, and the man, the shadow's like between man and shadow. But it's like uh, to other to the world, I'm another man. But to you, I'm always your shadow. That's kind so. Of thing. That's really sweet. <laughs> I don't get you. <laughs> Sense of sweet anymore.、Mm. Between man and shadow, said the shadow, for he could not help saying so. Sorry, this force of habit. <laughs> I know I'm a man now, and I just spend the past paragraph reminding you that I'm a man. But you know, yeah, still a shadow. <laughs> It was really most remarkable how very much he had become a man in appearance. He was dressed in a suit of the very finest black cloth, polished boots, and an opera crush hat. Which could be folded together so that nothing could be seen but the crown and the rim. Besides the trinkets, the gold chain, and the diamond rings already spoken of. Does it have a face? I'm I'm lost in imagination. The shadow was, in fact, very well dressed, and this made a man of him. 
Now I will relate to you what you wish to know, said the shadow, placing his foot with the polished leather boot as firmly as possible on the arm of the new shadow of the learned man. Okay, lots going on here. Which lay at his feet like a poodle dog. This was done, it might be from pride, or perhaps that the new shadow might cling to him. But the prostrate shadow remained quite quiet and at rest, in order that it might listen, for it wanted to know how a shadow could be sent away by its master and become a man itself. Do you know, said the shadow, that in the house opposite to you lived the most glorious creature in the world? It was poetry. I remained there three weeks, and it was more like three thousand years, for I read all that has ever been written in poetry or prose. And I may say, in truth, that I saw and learned everything. Poetry, exclaimed the learned man. So it's like, um, we were both, we were the same. I'm a normal guy, you're a normal shadow. And even the shadow gets education. Mm-hmm. And it, it learns poetry, like everything. So he gets rich. And he has his own independent mind. Is it because the learned man was, didn't care for the arts and cared more for sciences and, and hard things and the shadow maybe learned more like intangibles and stuff? And then... So the, the, the learned man is a normal guy. The shadow is mm-hmm. an extraordinary shadow. And <laughs> <laughs> become a man mm-hmm. like uh, crossing the crossing the class yeah yeah he really uh you know broke through the uh the shadow ceiling yeah 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 something like that yeah because his love of art because of his love of art wow this is a really relevant story for (laughs) the world today so many parables and so prescient hans christian anderson i had higher hopes (laughs) in you anyway Poetry, exclaimed the learned man. Yes, she lives as a hermit in great cities. Poetry. Well, I saw her once for a very short moment, while sleep weighed down my eyelids. She flashed upon me in the balcony like the radiant aurora borealis, surrounded with flowers like flames of fire. Tell me, you were on the balcony that evening. You went through the door, and what did you see? I found myself in an auntie room. A-N-T-E, auntie room, said the shadow. You still sat opposite to me, looking into the room. There was no light, or at least it seemed in partial darkness, for the door of a whole suite of rooms stood open, and they were brilliantly lighted. The blaze of light would have killed me had I approached too near the maiden myself, but I was cautious and took time, which is what everyone ought to do. And what didst thou see? asked the learned man. I saw everything, as you hear. But it really is not pride on my part, as a free man and possessing the knowledge that I do. Besides my position, not to speak of my wealth, I wish you would say you to me instead of thou. I'm lost in this story. He is repeatedly mentioned about his wealth and looking for recognition of, as his pride. Mm-hmm. And he keeps saying he knows everything. What is everything? Well, maybe we'll find out. I beg your pardon, said the learned man. It is an old habit which is difficult to break. You are quite right. I will try to think of it. But now tell me everything you saw. 
everything, said the shadow, for I saw and know everything. What was the appearance of the inner rooms? Asked the scholar. Was it like a cool grove or like a holy temple? Were the chambers like a starry sky seen from the top of a high mountain? It was all that you describe, said the shadow, but I did not go quite in. I remained in the twilight of the anteroom, but I was in a very good position. I could see and hear all that was going on in the court of poetry. But what did you see? Did the gods of ancient times pass through the rooms? Did old heroes fight their battles over again? Were there lovely children at play who related their dreams? I tell you I have been there, and therefore you may be sure that I saw everything that was to be seen. If you had gone there, you would not have remained a human being, whereas I became one. And at the same moment, I became aware of my inner being, my inborn affinity to the nature of poetry. It is true that I did not think much about it while I was with you, but you will remember that I was always much larger at sunrise and sunset, and in the moonlight even more visible than yourself. But it did not then understand my inner existence. In the anteroom, it was, it was revealed to me. I became a man. I came out in full maturity. But you had left the warm countries. As a man, I felt ashamed to go about without boots or clothes, and that exterior finish by which man is known. So I went my own way. I can tell you, for you will not put it in a book. I hid myself under the cloak of a cake woman, but she little thought who she concealed. It was not till evening that I ventured out. I ran about the streets in the moonlight. I drew myself up to my full height upon the walls, which tickled my back very pleasantly. I ran here and there, looked through the highest windows into the rooms and over the roofs. I looked in and saw what nobody else could see, or indeed ought to see. In fact, it is a bad world, and I would not care to be a man, but that men are of some importance. I saw the most miserable things going on between husbands and wives, parents and children, sweet, incomparable children. I have seen what no human being has the power of knowing, although they would all be very glad to know, the evil conduct of their neighbors. Had I written the newspaper, how eagerly it would have been read. Instead of which, I wrote directly to the persons themselves, and great alarm rose in all the town I visited. They had so much fear of me, and yet how dearly they loved me. The professor made me a professor. The tailor gave me new clothes. I am well provided for in that way. The overseer of the mint struck coins for me. The women declared that I was handsome, and so I became the man you now see me. And now I must say adieu. Here is my card. I live on the sunny side of the street and always stay at home in rainy weather. And the shadow departed. This is all very remarkable, said the learned man. Years passed. Days and years went by, and the shadow came again. How are you going on now? he asked. Ah, said the learned man, I am writing about the true, the beautiful, and the good, but no one cares to hear anything about it. I am quite in despair, for I take it to heart very much. That is what I never do, said the shadow. I am growing quite fat and stout, which everyone ought to be. You do not understand the world. You will make yourself ill about it. You ought to travel. I am going on a journey in the summer. Will you go with me? I should like a traveling companion. Will you travel with me as my shadow? It would give me great pleasure, 
and I will pay all expenses. Are you going? Huh. Is that like the Spider Man movie? Like the the dark side of? Yeah, this is exactly like that Spider Man movie. <laughs> dark side of him, like taking over him, like a host thing. Maybe. Maybe this is the like a union thing. Of like the shadow, you have to integrate the shadow. The shadow is what like the collective unconscious or whatever. So you, are you going to travel far? Asked the learned man. That is a matter of opinion, replied the shadow. At all events, a journey will do you good, and if you will be my shadow, then all your journey shall be paid. Yeah, you just said that. <laughs> yeah, he's all bragging about the wells all the time. Is it like a um, fight club? Maybe, oh hey, that's a good take. Let's see if that happens. It appears to me very absurd," said the learned man. "But it is the way of the world," replied the shadow, "and always will be." Then he went away. Everything went wrong with the learned man. Sorrow and trouble pursued him, and what he said about the good, the beautiful, and the true, was of as much value to most people as a nutmeg would be to a cow. Look how! If my if my <laughs> grandmother had wheels, she'd be a bicycle. <laughs> Look that up, guys. It's really funny. Um, <laughs> At length, he felt ill. You really look like a shadow, people said to him, and then a cold shudder would pass over him, for he had his own thoughts on the subject. You really ought to go to some watering place," said the shadow. On his next visit, there is no other chance for you. I will take you with me, for the sake of old acquaintance. So they look like the same today. The shadow's fatter than him now. Now he is becoming the shadow. I will pay the expenses of your journey. You already. Okay, this is the third time. <laughs> okay, check. <laughs> He goes like the, he checks in for to the first hotel. He's like, all right, it's two hundred dollars a night. And the shadow's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> let's uh, let's slow down here. I don't. Okay, let's not go crazy. Maybe you said you paid for it. No, it's like the flight. You, this is like half the price. If you travel as a shadow, you don't need to oh, pay. Oh, maybe. Uh, and in the hotel room, you come back to be a man. Because we're sharing the room anyway. Say you're twelve. <laughs> Say you're my son. Thank you. I didn't think you were gonna be cheap. I will pay the expenses of your journey, and you shall write a description of it to amuse us. By the way, I should like to go to a watering place. My beard does not grow as it ought, which is from weakness, and I must have a beard. Now do be sensible and accept my proposal. We shall travel as intimate friends. And at last they started together. The shadow was master now, and the master became the shadow. They drove together and rode and walked in company with each other, side by side, or one in front and one behind, according to the position of the sun. The shadow always knew when to take the place of honor, but the learned man took no notice of it, for he had a good heart and was exceedingly mild and friendly. He's kind of stupid. One day, the master said to the shadow, "We have grown up together from our childhood, and now that we have become traveling companions, ought we not drink to our good fellowship?" 
and say thee and thou to each other? What you say is very straightforward and kindly meant, said the shadow, who was now really master. I will be equally kind and straightforward. You are a learned man and know how wonderful human nature is. There are some men who cannot endure the smell of brown paper. It makes them ill. Others will feel a shuddering sensation to their very marrow. As if a nail is scratched on a pane of glass, is what it meant. I myself have a similar kind of feeling when I hear anyone say thou to me. I feel crushed by it, as I used to feel in my former position with you. You will perceive that this is a matter of feeling, not pride. I cannot allow you to say thou to me. I will gladly say it to you. And there, I don't get it. Why this word is so important? What difference from you and thou? Thou is like the biblical way of saying you. Okay. So it's significant difference. Significant. <laughs> I cannot allow you to say thou to me. I will gladly say it to you, and therefore your wish will be half fulfilled. Then the shadow addressed his former master as thou. It is going rather too far, said the latter, that I am to say you when I speak to him, and he is to say thou to me. However, he was obliged to submit. He's just training him. Hold on. Like a dog. So, so the shadow is making, so the shadow is calling him thou. Yeah, like the like just the like reversed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like uh, with that P way, like, oh, yeah. Like what? It means pick up art. Oh, oh, P U A. I know Pua. <laughs> what <laughs> you know Pua? Uh-huh. Uh huh. So, so what? What do you? What? What? What do you? Okay. He's a Pua. He's the original master. <laughs> nice. Except it's instead of women, it's shadow. It's his shadow. Try to. He's trying to pick up his own shadow. <laughs> but the sh- it's the other way around. Not just pick up, but like uh, try to devalue his self worth yeah mm-hmm. and make him like lower than him they arrived at length at the baths where there were many strangers and among them a beautiful princess whose real disease consisted in being too sharp-sighted which made everyone very uneasy he saw at once that the newcomer was very different to everyone else They say he is here to make his beard grow, she thought. But I know the real cause. He is unable to cast a shadow. Then she became very curious on the matter. And one day, while on the promenade, she entered into conversation with the strange gentleman. Being a princess, she was not obliged to stand upon much ceremony. So she said to him without hesitation, Your illness consists in not being able to cast a shadow. Your royal highness must be on the high road to recovery from your illness. So the princess is the doctor of shadow? I guess. She's in charge the of sha- The shadow is being, like, nippy. So this is now, like, a battle going on. Okay. Your royal, highness must, your royal highness must be on the high road to recovery from your illness, said he. I know your complaint arose from being too sharp-sighted, and in this case has entirely failed. I happen to have a most unusual shadow. Have you not seen a person who is always at my side? Persons often give their servants finer cloth for their liveries than for their own clothes. 
and so I have dressed out my shadow like a man. Nay, you may observe that I have given him a shadow of his own. It is rather expensive, but I like to have things about me that are peculiar. How's this? thought the princess. Am I really cured? This must be the best watering place in existence. Water in our times has certainly wonderful power, but I will not leave this place yet, just as it begins to be amusing. This foreign prince, for he must be a prince, pleases me above all things. I only hope his beard won't grow, or he will leave at once. Huh. Wow, it works. Interesting princess. Uh-huh. In the evening, the princess and the shadow danced together in the large assembly rooms. She was light, but he was lighter still. She had never seen such a dancer before. She told him from what country she had come and found he knew it and had been there, but not while she was at home. <laughs> you, weren't, you weren't there. <laughs> no, I was, uh, you weren't there. You, you were busy. I don't know what you were doing. She had looked into the windows of her father's palace, both the upper and the lower windows. He had seen many things and could therefore answer the princess and make allusions which quite astonished her. She thought he must be the cleverest man in all the world and felt the greatest respect for his knowledge. When she danced with him again, she fell in love with him, which the shadow quickly discovered, for she had, with her eyes, looked him through and through. They danced once more, and she was nearly telling him, but she had some discretion. She thought of her country, her kingdom, and the number of people over whom she would one day have to rule. He is a clever man, she thought to herself, which is a good thing, and he dances admirably, which is also good. But has he well-grounded knowledge? That is an important question, and I must try him. Then she asked them a most difficult question, she herself could not have answered it. And the shadow made a most unaccountable grimace. Like, if you don't know, then how would you know if he's the, he got yeah, the right answer? what's that question? You cannot answer that, said the princess. I learned something about it in my childhood, he replied, and believed that even my very shadow standing over there by the door could answer it. Your shadow, said the princess. Indeed, that would be very remarkable. I do not say so positively, observed the shadow, but I am inclined to believe that he can do so. He has followed me for so many years and has heard so much from me that I think it very likely. But your royal highness must allow me to observe that he is very proud of being considered a man and to put him in a good humor so that he may answer correctly. He must be treated as a man. I shall be very pleased to do so, said the princess, so she walked up to the learned man, who stood in the doorway and spoke to him of the sun and of the moon, of the green forests, and of people near home and far off, and the learned man conversed with her pleasantly and sensibly. What a wonderful man he must be, to have such a clever shadow, thought she. If I were to choose him, it would be a real blessing to my country and my subjects, and I will do it. So the princess and the shadow were soon engaged to each other, but no one was to be told a word about it till she returned to her kingdom. Huh. So he, he, read, he know everything about poetry. <laughs> no, he knows everything. <laughs> yeah, he knows everything. But he not 
He doesn't know any answers. It's the scholar that can. I guess that has the answer. He has seen everything, but the scholar knows everything. The scholar has answers. He just say he knows everything. He doesn't really know anything, because、okay. he cannot say anything. Okay. Right. He just a cheater, cheating. No one shall know," said the shadow. "Not even my own shadow." And he had a very particular reason for saying so. After a time, the princess returned to the land over which she reigned, and the shadow accompanied her. "Listen, my friend," said the shadow to the learned man. "Now that I am as fortunate and as powerful as any man can be, I will do something unusually good for you. You shall live in my palace, drive with me in the royal carriage, and have a hundred thousand dollars a year. But you must allow everyone to call you a shadow." And never venture to say that you have been a man. And once a year, when I sit in my balcony in the sunshine, you must lie at my feet as becomes a shadow to do. For I must tell you, I am going to marry the princess, and our wedding will take place this evening. Now, really, this is too ridiculous," said the learned man. "I cannot and will not submit to such folly, for it would be cheating the whole country and the princess also. I will disclose everything." And say that I am the man, and you are only a shadow dressed up in men's clothes. No one would believe you," said the shadow. "Be reasonable now, or I will call the guards. I will go straight to the princess," said the learned man. "But I shall be there first," replied the shadow, "and you will be sent to prison." And so it turned out, for the guards readily obeyed him, and they knew he was going to marry the king's daughter. "You tremble," said the princess. When the shadow appeared before her, has anything happened? You must not be ill today, for this evening our wedding will take place. I have gone through the most terrible affair that could possibly happen," said the shadow. "Only imagine, my shadow has gone mad. I suppose such a poor, shallow brain could not bear much. He fancies that he has become a real man, that I am his shadow. How very terrible!" cried the princess. "Is he locked up? Oh yes, certainly." For I fear he will never recover. Poor shadow," said the princess. "It's very unfortunate for him. It would really be a good deed to free him from his frail existence. And indeed, when I think how often people take the part of the lower class against the higher in these days, it would be policy to put him out of the way quietly. It is certainly rather hard upon him, for he was a faithful servant," said the shadow, and he pretended to sigh. Yours is a noble character," said the princess, and bowed herself before him. In the evening, the whole town was illuminated, and the cannons fired boom, and the soldiers presented arms. It was indeed a grand wedding. The princess and the shadow stepped out on the balcony to show themselves and to receive one cheer more, but the learned man heard nothing of all these festivities, for he had already been executed. Huh? So he take place. Yeah, it's the shadow. It just means all the bad things. Of you, and that's like taking over you. So it's maybe it's talking about how. How the bad side taking over, you. I see. Hmm. I see. Yeah, it turns out to be a good story somehow. They were the same. Yeah, it was the same person, and it's just it, obviously it's metaf- metaphorical, and、uh, 
the, but yet the shadow eventually took over the learnedness. Yeah, that's how I feel about when when the the shadow first show up. He's like a hip hypocrite, hypocrite, hypocrite. It like I always say, I know everything. I am I'm wealthy. I I really care about how you name me. Like all these like outsider stuff. But he doesn't actually know anything. Yeah, and then. Himself, his original self is like, uh, really a scholar, and uh, doesn't really care much about outside. He just stay his place and learn mm. stuff. Mm-hmm. And then the shadow part just grow and grow and grow and goes fatter and want want to take over. Mm-hmm. And he cares more and more about like a marriage to a princess, and uh, how keep saying like, oh, I can cover your expense like. I I'm like yeah. care about the class. Right, the right, right. Yeah, this it it is Jungian. It's about an unintegrated shadow. Mm-hmm. That kind of took over. Mm. So what's the solution here? What answers does it give? No, it just tell telling you to see that. Maybe on early stage, you uh, you can find your way back. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, but once you are taking over, you are executed, and I don't know what to do. Yeah, once it's already taken over, it's gone. That's okay. Whatever. It's not that big a deal. So that's why we need to read Anderson as. <laughs> uh huh. Well, it's a little late for me. 